Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This episode of Creepy is made possible thanks to the Patreon supporters. Please consider donating to and supporting this podcast at Patreon.com CreepyPod. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents The Bad Days. Day 2. Aokigar Diary. Credited to user JJ's Pasta and posted at creepypasta.org. Day 1. I want to start off by saying I didn't plan on coming here. My gambling tendencies got the best of me. Before I get ahead of myself, let me elaborate. On New Year's Eve, me and a buddy got really drunk, and he started telling me about Aokigara, or more well-known as the Suicide Forest in Japan. He went on to tell me the horror stories of all the deaths and hangings, and I just figured he was full of shit. When I told him so, He didn't seem too pleased and bet me $600 that I couldn't last a month in the forest. Against my better judgment, I agreed and took the next flight to Japan. I was also told that I would have to keep a journal with me at all times. He made it very clear that he wanted an entry for every day, his exact words being, Write your heart out, but don't lose your head. I hate to tell him that if nothing interesting happens... He's not getting an entry. Besides, the deal was that I last a month. Anyway, along with his journal, I packed a month's worth of bottled water and canned foods for my trip, as well as all the other camping essentials. It's going to be a heavy load, especially considering this forest is almost 14 miles long. But I suppose I put myself in this position. I'll update as I venture on and once more before I head to bed. There are signs everywhere throughout the forest. Some in Japanese as one would expect, and others are in English. Each says something different, I'm sure, but I'm running across those that say, Think about your family. It left an eerie feeling in the pit of my stomach, but I just kept walking past it and tried to ignore it. There are a surprising amount of people here. For this to be such a depressing place, it's quite the tourist attraction. I've only hiked in about a mile, so I'm going to head in about two more before the sunlight fades. I'd like to have a tent set up by then. Last entry before bed. I managed to get my tent set up just as the sun left the horizon. 
Once I was settled and ate a can of beans, a man came up to my tent. He knew a tad bit of English and tried his best to explain more about the forest, but eventually gave up. All he could really say that wasn't total nonsense and jibber-jabber was, Forest is bad. You come in but never out. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to hear. Day 2 I slept pretty well last night. This forest is strangely quiet once the stars are out. There were no birds flying around. No crickets chirping, just pure silence. The only sound was that faint ringing that you can hear when there is no noise. Apparently it's your brain making up for the silence or some shit like that. After sitting outside my tent for a while, I began to see why people find this place so creepy. It has a strange vibe to it. It's hard to explain, and I don't have time to explain. I'll update if anything interesting happens. After I finished my breakfast, I packed everything up and headed out for another hike. Only about a half mile from my original campsite, I met a local who happened to speak English, and we exchanged some names and began talking. We started with small talk, and I eventually asked him how he spoke English so well. He told me that he studied abroad in America for six years before returning to Japan to catch up with his family. Our conversation got more in-depth, and he told me that he'd grown up just about three miles from Aokigara and had quite a bit of history to share. He told me that since 1988, an average of 100 suicides occurred each year. With that, he said he had to head back home. Before he ran off, I asked why he was in the forest in the first place, and his answer chilled me to the bone. His voice went monotone, and he said, To pay my respects, of course. When I said I came back to visit my family, I meant they were here in this forest. I stared blankly for a second, trying to think of what to say. Before I could muster any speech, he was halfway up the path headed to the entrance. I felt bad for the guy. I mean, this forest took his family away. Wait, what am I saying? <laughs> All the horror stories I've heard of this place are starting to get to me. Day 5 Okay, so I slacked off for a few days, but what does it really matter? It's not like my buddy's gonna read this shit anyway. I doubt anyone will. It has been a couple of days since I met that local I wrote about in day two, and I'm really wishing he would come back. It sucks being out here alone with no one to talk to. The only people who are here either don't speak my language or don't speak at all. I think you know what I mean by that. Call me morbid, but aside from this place being mind-numbingly boring, it's pretty relaxing. It's really hard to write and hold back vomit at the same time, but I'll try my best because no one will ever believe this if I don't write it down. The guy I spoke to the other day? The one who said he was paying his respects? Popped up in the forest again. That's not the unbelievable part, though. Let me explain. I had all my things on my back and was heading a bit deeper into the forest and had turned to look at a nearby creek when I felt something brush against my cheek. I quickly turned on my heels and swatted at it thinking maybe it was some spider I'd never seen. But when I saw what it was that I was swatting at, 
I wished it had been a spider. Suspended in midair, still on his feet, were her tennis shoes. His tennis shoes. I vomited and cried. I don't know why I cried. I only talked to the guy for 20 minutes at most. I didn't have any emotional connection, if any. Still, though, my body's reaction was to sob as if I had lost my mother. I've done what I can to get the burn of vomit from the back of my throat, but it seems to be a lost cause. I've decided to move on and try and make it back to Mount Fuji. I've heard it's worth the hike. Then again, once I get there, I don't know what I'll do for the rest of my stay. I might just stay there for the rest of my time here so I don't have to walk back and see this sight again. I was given the fortune of meeting the guy who had to inspect the forest once or twice a week. Well, he doesn't have to. He just chooses to. He came up to my tent maybe around 7pm and peeked in. Lucky for him I wasn't getting dressed or anything. I was a bit startled, however. He was very old, and his face seemed to wrinkle more as he spoke. Glad to see someone hasn't given in. His English was great, and I was taken aback by it. He began to leave, but I stopped him before he went off. Sir! I called out. Sir, come back! I heard his footsteps approach my tent once more. Yes, young man. His voice was soft, had a slight whistle to it. What did you mean by giving in? I asked, unsure if I even wanted an answer. He frowned slightly and looked to the ground. This forest here, boy, has seen just as much death as a battlefield. I search here day in and day out trying to tally up the bodies. I try to save some, too. His words fell heavy like bricks and tugged on my heart. Have you ever saved anyone before? There again was an uneasiness in my voice. My mind screamed out no, but my morbid curiosity pushed away the objection. He made his way into my tent now and met me with a stern gaze. When a man begins to tally up dead bodies of innocent people, some of which he passed on the street a week ago, he begins to think differently. When a body becomes nothing more than a statistic, it's hard to stay hopeful. I'd like to say that the people I speak to rethink their decision, but at the same time, I can't lie to myself or call myself a hero. I've spoken to people until I was red in the face, certain that they had saw the meaning of life, only to find them hanging here in this damned forest the next day. So I suppose the best answer I can give you is this. I don't have that power. I can't change how people feel when they're in that state. Only they can. With those words spinning around in my head, he exited the tent and began venturing back to the entrance. It was obvious how much this force had changed him. And I'm not sure if I can deal with that kind of change. That kind of hopelessness. I'm beginning to think this trip was a mistake. Day 10. 
Again, I apologize for skipping out on this so many days, but this trip, aside from what I've written, has been uneventful. I've decided to stay in my tent today. I don't really feel the need to hike any closer to the entrance or Mount Fuji. I'm in a comfortable spot that has great shade and is quite secluded from the rest of the forest. There's that silence again. I've learned to welcome it, considering it happens so often. Why does this forest seem so damn peaceful? My plan to stay in my tent all day, or even for the rest of my trip, has been ruined. I woke about nine this morning and went to go take a piss in the woods somewhere. Being that I wanted at least a small sense of privacy, I went back pretty far. I would say just until no one was in earshot. Once I was done, I walked back to my tent and was greeted with a gruesome sight. A man had tried to hang himself over my tent. From what I could make out, he tied the rope to a branch, then jumped from a stump about a foot away. The rope must not have been strong enough to hold his weight because it snapped, causing him to fall onto my tent. If that wasn't bad enough, in some freakish way, he was impaled by one of the steel rods that holds up the tent. I decided to pack up what I could get. I had my backpack with me just in case some looters came by, so I had all my cash and things and this journal. Since I have it, I guess I still have to write in it. I've decided to stay at a local extended stay hotel for the remainder of my trip. I just hope it's over soon. Day 11. You stupid motherfucker. Stay out of the fucking forest. I'm really beginning to freak out now. I didn't write that last night. Or at least I don't think I did. I don't have any recollection of anything, now that I think about it. Hell, the last thing I remember is checking into the hotel. I'm gonna go hang out around town. Maybe taking in the culture will help me clear my head. Wow. Japan is one weird place. I never thought I would like scorpion, but it really wasn't half bad. Kinda tasted like chicken. I was only able to stay out around two or three hours before a rainstorm came through. It can be nearly impossible to get around here sometimes. It's five o'clock now, so I'm just gonna watch some television and take a shower. Hopefully no more weird shit happens. Son of a bitch! My fucking room is trashed! I was in the shower when I heard a huge crash from the other room. I turned off the water and jumped out wrapping myself in a towel. I rushed into the room where the loud bang came from only to find it was empty. Like I said though, my room was trashed. The blankets and sheets were strewn all over the room and the television, which I'm assuming made a big bang, had fallen off the stand and laid screened down on the floor. Lucky for me, nothing was broken or stolen. I thought it was pretty weird that no one else on the hall I was was trying to figure out what the hell was going on, so I put on some pants and went over to the hotel room beside mine. I knocked a couple of times and finally someone opened the door. 
It was a petite Japanese girl who hid halfway behind the doors as scared or nervous. I asked her about hearing anything strange or seeing anyone in my room, but from what I could make out for broken English, she was clueless. I didn't bother with anyone else, assuming they wouldn't understand me either. just went back to my room and sat on the bed. That's when I noticed. There was a small note sandwiched between the mattress and box spring about an inch or two. I reached down and opened it up. It felt wet, and was stained with what looked to be muddy fingerprints all over. The writing was barely legible, but from what I could make out, it said, Forest calls you die. It was very cryptic, and I tried to play it off with some stupid prank a local played on me. My trip might have to end sooner than I expected. This is getting out of hand, and freaky as hell. Day 12. Forest, bad. You die. Again. Again. I didn't write that. I'm so fucking tired of this. I'm done. I don't want to write in this stupid fucking journal anymore. I just want to know who is. I want to go home. I've decided to set up my camera to record me as I sleep. I'm going to figure out who the hell is doing it, and when I see who, I'll show the police we can track them down and figure this shit out. I have to also put the journal under my mattress, that way whoever tried to take it won't know where it is, and if they found out, I'll wake up before they can get it. I'm going to bed now. The camera's rolling and the journal's about to be in place. It's time to figure this shit out once and for all. Day 13 I woke up this morning and my bed was covered in mud. I was fully clothed and I even had my hiking boots on. They were also covered in mud. I shot up from the bed and looked over at the camera knowing it had the answers. The sheets, that were once pearly white, are now stained with dark brown mud. I hope like hell they don't charge me for that. I'm going to take a look at the footage on the camera and update afterwards. I wouldn't believe it if I didn't see it. I'd went to bed around 10 last night and the footage was pretty normal for the first couple of hours until midnight rolled around. From the right side of the frame, a dark blob, for lack of a better word, crept into my room. It seemed to float and didn't really have any features. It just kind of floated and undulated as it did so. It stood maybe six feet tall with its, what you could call a head, touching the top of the frame. What it did next made my heart stop. It made its way over to my bed as I slept and began to morph into something smaller. The bottom part of it seemed to lift itself up and merge with the middle. The top followed with a similar motion. After it had shrunken itself to the size of a basketball, it shot at me only to disappear when it made contact. I thought that was it, but then I saw myself sit up in the bed. My eyes were still shut and my movements were clumsy. I pulled myself out of bed put on my clothes and hiking boots, then left the room. 
I didn't return until 8 the next morning. I woke up an hour later. I never saw that thing leave my body. I have no recollection of this, and the only way I know what happened is by looking at this footage. The journal was untouched and I haven't found any more messages or strange notes. I'm going to take a shower to clean off and then speak to someone at the front desk about the sheets. I haven't decided if I should show them the footage or if I should just say I fell asleep like that. The answer seems obvious, but I don't want to be charged for the sheets and I don't want to look like a crazy person. I guess I'll decide when I'm in the shower. My shower was cut short by someone knocking at the door to my hotel room. I was really confused considering no one knew me here, but I decided to answer it anyway. It turned out to be that older guy who was in the forest a while back. I remember writing about my encounter with him. I asked what he needed, and with worry in his voice, he said, You. I have no idea what he meant, and I invited him in so we could talk things over and maybe reach an understanding. When he walked in and saw the sheets, he began to mumble to himself. Our conversation was quite long, so I'll only touch on the important parts. According to what he told me, I had to leave this place as soon as I could. He told me I couldn't simply go to a different hotel, I'd have to leave the country altogether and head back home. He went on to tell me about a close friend of his who woke up to muddy sheets one night. The next night, he was found hanging in the forest. He left a note by his body, and this man kept it all these years. The only words written on the note were, The forest called me. I am home. Last night, the man said, when that thing came into you, it showed you where you're going to hang yourself. Your subconscious knows, and the only way to stop it from happening is to leave this place. As you might imagine, I was totally freaked out at this point. After he left, I drove up to the airport and bought a ticket to fly back home. The only problem is my flight leaves in three days. He said I had one night. Day 14. I'm so cold. I can't see anything, so to anyone who finds this, I apologize if it's illegible. I don't know where I am. I think I'm in the forest. Somewhere deep into the forest. It's never been this dark before. The last thing I remember is speaking to that man and then laying down to go to sleep. Was it last night? How long was I asleep? The only thing I know at this point is that whatever wanted me in the forest has gotten me. It's, it's so cold. I can barely move my fingers to write, but I have to warn everyone, this place is not safe. If you're going to visit here, don't stay overnight. Don't even come, just stay home. It's safe there. I think I'm going to try and make my way out of here. My eyes have adjusted to the darkness, and I think I can make my way around if I walk slowly. I need to get out of here before it's too late. I should, I should have stayed where I was and waited for sunrise. Although I can make all my surroundings, it just makes it worse. 
one would think that regaining a sense of sight that you once lost would put one at ease. I'll admit that it did at first, but as I continued walking, all I could see were the bodies. They were hanging from the trees, and some just laid on the ground with a noose still attached, but broken. The trees themselves even seemed to morph into mutilated bodies of those less fortunate. The bodies lay eviscerated, leaving me with no hope and vomit in my throat. I'm beginning to think that fate may be better than the one I'm suffering. Day 15? I'm not sure where I collapsed or how long I was out. The last thing I remember seeing were those bodies and then... nothing. It all goes blank. The sun still hasn't risen, but I do believe another day has started. Something about it feels... different. After I pulled myself to my feet, I made it over to a tree, trying to steady myself as I was still woozy. I've been standing here for what feels like hours. My legs are shaky and sore, but I have to press on. I have to make it out. The sun finally rose. It was such a beautiful sight. As it rose in the distance, I just stared in awe. The warmth of its rays warmed my pale, goosebump-ridden skin. I couldn't help but let a smile spread across my face. Pushing aside the thrashing pain in my legs, I pushed on. I pushed myself to the exit of that forest and finally made it out to the entrance where I fell to the ground one more time. This time, however, wasn't out of weakness, but out of solace. I was free. I escaped. The man that had spoken to me within the first few days of my arrival met me at my hotel room that afternoon after I cleaned up. He spoke with a low tone but made it clear as to what I had accomplished. I'm on a plane back home now, and I could care less about the money or the stupid forest. I Skyped with my buddy, whom I made the bat with once I reached LAX. The look on his face when I answered was priceless. I'll write the conversation out instead of briefing it. Hey man, I can't believe it. He seemed extremely excited to see me. I responded with a disappointed tone. Yeah, I know. I knew I wouldn't make it. His jaw dropped. What the hell are you talking about? You went the entire month. I never thought you'd make it, but you proved me wrong. Listen, come over to my place. I'll hold up my end of the deal. He disconnected after that. I couldn't believe it. Did I really make it that long? If so, that means I must have been out in the forest for over a week. My head began to hurt as I tried to make sense of the situation. I figured that I should be grateful I had made it out and left it at that. Even though it's over, I have an urge to continue writing in this journal. Maybe one day someone will read it, or maybe if I want to go back to that vacation... 
I can read over it. Until that day, I think I'll put this journal to rest and just open up a new one. Also, no more adventures for me. Not for a long, long time. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at creepypod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object class Euclid Keter Safe Special containment procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.